Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Pittsburgh Current podcast coming to you live from the beautiful Beachview Business District from Sorgatron Media here on Broadway Avenue. Uh, we've got a good show today, really good show today. Um, uh, we'll get to that in a second, but first I want to tell you that the new issue of the Pittsburgh, or the Pittsburgh Current is out um, this week. It's on stands right now. We've got um, uh, the legend, Motown legend Smokey Robinson is on the cover. You can't miss that. We've actually had a... Uh, a busy uh, Smokey Robinson. It's been a Smokey Robinson week at the Pittsburgh Current. Um, he was in uh, two days ago for a live interview, which you can catch with Jim Crenn Monday at noon. That will de- that will debut. It was a really really great interview. Um, I think Smokey even told some stories that he hadn't told before publicly. So um, you want to check that out for sure. Um, also, speaking of, you'll see another cover with Smokey Robinson coming out this afternoon. Is our uh, Pittsburgh Current holiday cookbook. And we've got recipes from chefs around the area. Some staff members and uh, other folks are sharing their favorite holiday recipes with you. There's even a cookie recipe from uh, Allegheny County Chief Executive Rich Fitzgerald. So if that's not worth uh, checking out, that's our online-only supplement. So check that out this afternoon. Our guest today has a lot to do. uh, His organization, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, has a lot to do with the Pittsburgh Current this week. Um, Mike Fuco is the uh, president of the Pittsburgh News Guild. Uh, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette News Guild. He's a longtime staff writer um, there. Um, and there have been a lot of issues at the Post-Gazette regarding treatment of their employees, which we're going to get into. But for the past almost month, the News Guild has been on a... News Guild members have been on a byline strike. They've been withholding their bylines from stories. So this week, the Pittsburgh Current decided that we would, in solidarity, uh, to show our solidarity, we also held a byline strike. It was completely voluntary. And every one of our every one of our contributors uh, went along with the strike. They pulled their bylines. Even those who, for example, uh, everyone knows Day Bracy writes our day drinking column, but Day Day also was involved in the byline strike. As was everyone knows Rob Rogers draws brood on Grant. Rob was also involved. So it's definitely it was definitely um, a sign to show that. Um, you know, uh, I've always said that, you know, we write about folks when there when there are issues or people are getting a raw deal. We write about them just because this is our industry doesn't mean that we should lay off anymore. So we did that and we wanted to have Mike Fuco. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining the Pittsburgh Current podcast. Uh, th- uh, thanks for having me, Charlie. And Absolutely. I, I want to thank the staff of the Pittsburgh Current for showing such incredible solidarity with us. In our struggle at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, look, nobody and no, nobody in our industry. Um, it's. I mean, it's never been easy. It's always, you know, we've we face low pay, we face long hours. Um, but what you guys have been experiencing at the Post Gazette, I, I can't even say for the last few months. I mean, this has been. It seems to have really ramped up in the last year. But you guys have gone almost. 14 years without a raise, correct? And almost three years without a contract? 14 years without a raise uh, this coming January 1st. Uh, Three years without a contract um, this coming March 31st. And um, in addition to that, as if that's not enough, right? um, you know, that those problems never had seeped into the newsroom. Right. And now we're fighting a battle on two fronts, both in negotiations 
and in the newsroom. Uh, in the last year, particularly in the last couple months, uh, conditions in the newsroom have been intolerable. Uh, the cruelty that's been shown us for 14 years has now seeped into the newsroom. Uh, there's been retribution to union officials. Uh, beloved managers have been forced out. People have been reassigned. Uh, people have been belittled by the executive editor, or the new executive editor, um, Keith Burris. Uh, so uh, it's become a toxic environment where it once was a safe haven where mm -hmm. creativity, collegiality, and good-naturedness always um, was at the forefront. And it now is a very, very difficult place to work. When I came to the city in uh, when I came to work in the city, I'm from the region. But when I came to the city to work in 2000, you know, at in Pittsburgh News Weekly, my goal was at some point to get to the Pittsburgh Post because that, that was a lot of writers in our in this town. Our you know the goal is sort of the kind of the top was to get to the Post Gazette to kind of get into the union to sort of get a job at a major newspaper. Um, but I don't know anybody that's talking about that anymore who says that the Post-Gazette is a place where they want to take their career or even – well, I know some folks are still starting their career there, but it's not a place that people are looking at anymore because of the things we're going to talk about that have, that have gone on. Uh, I've been there for 35 years, yeah. and um, I started when I was 10. No, I, <laughs> um, but I, I, I've been there for 35 years, yeah. and for most of my tenure, it's just been a dream job. It's only within um, the last, I mean, 14 years ago, we wanted to help the Post-Gazette. Uh, we gave up uh, some of our salary. And then after a couple of years, we started realizing that they were using this money to pay bonuses to each other. Wow. And we started went, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this picture. Um, so we have not had a raise since 2006. And our buying power is 37% behind where it should be when you uh, include the rate of inflation. So those of us who were there 14 years ago um, were making more money in 2006 than we are today. Um, in addition to that, um, in these last negotiations, they have hired a known union-busting law firm from Tennessee – to handle negotiations right. and their strategy not just here but at other newspapers is to stall and that in their minds i think it's a way to try to break the union obviously that hasn't happened our byline strike has had a hundred percent participation for nearly a month uh we we are very solid um but the other thing is and the thing i think that the blocks who own the newspaper right. don't understand is that the only one benefiting from three years of not moving the ball one inch is this law firm. Right. They they right. they make money by stalling. And, yeah. you know, it's very clear to us. We're journalists. We can analyze things. Uh, why the blocks can't see this. And the money they've spent on this law firm would have gotten a fair and equitable contract for all of us. Yeah, it's... Um Without, I mean, obviously we don't need a a year-by-year year chronicle, but explain a little more about how you've seen the progression. I mean, like I said, you've been here 35 years. 
what what's and and through that time you've also obviously you've seen some changes you've seen changes in newsroom leadership you've seen changes at the at the very top as well and i assume that a lot of what we're seeing now is because of changes when john block took over as publisher when um you know when they brought in keith burris but how have you how have you seen the change over your 35 years has it been subtle or has it been okay and then all at once just sort of slam no it, it it's been subtle um yeah, I worked under John Craig, who was an interesting right. and very talented uh, editor, the late John Craig. Uh, I worked 15 years under David Shrivman, again, a talented editor. And David had the savvy and the wherewithal and the um, um, empathy with his staff to run interference for us when John Block, the publisher, yeah. would come up with crazy ideas for coverage or how to treat us. And it got to a point, um, and I think I think the, we can date the problems at the Post-Gazette back to January of 2018 mm-hmm. when uh, we ran a racist editorial called Reason is Racism. We're just looking that up so we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and we broke, the, the Newspaper Guild has been there 85 years. Right. Um, we broke with tradition of those more than eight decades, and we came out opposed to an editorial position in the Post-Gazette. In the past, we didn't always agree with our editorial positions, but that's where you have those kinds of things. But it's beyond the pale. Right. Racism is beyond the pale, and we would not stand for that because it reflected on all of us. People don't understand the wall between the newsroom and the editorial department. And we were not alone. Um, You know, uh, foundations, readers, um, you know, civil rights groups all came out condemning it. Um, Then it progressed. And so what happened was the person who wrote that editorial was the head of the editorial department in Toledo, Keith Burris. Right. So John Block's response to the pushback, even from his own family. Yeah. Uh, was to uh, promote Burris to be the editorial director of both the editorial department in Toledo, their sis- our sister paper, and in Pittsburgh. Right. Um, things continued going downhill um, to the point where David Shribman was forced out. Right. And um, after that... Uh, Burris was named as editor, despite the fact, executive editor, despite the fact that he had never run a newsroom or even had worked in news. He's always been an editorial writer. But we thought, okay, we'll give him a chance. And um, that happened earlier this year, and it's been nothing but chaos since then. And to sort of go off what Mike was saying about the wall between – editorial uh uh you know news coverage and 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 opinion writing um that's something that 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 papers have tried to do for a long time and at the post gazette it was actually you had dave shribman who i believe worked and, and i've talked to dave, i talked to dave at the time when some of these things were coming out um you know and he very much tried to hold that line and hold that that separation between himself and the editorial page or the editorial the opinion section um but when Dave was forced out, I know I and a couple other reporters said 
I didn't know at the time it was going to be Keith Burris, but my fear was is that they weren't going to hire somebody who was as diligent a watchdog as Dave. And then to see to see Burris um, promoted was was ex- was strange from the standpoint of uh, you know you want to keep that wall, but it wasn't strange from the standpoint of. Going back to the reason is racism editorial, like you said, after that happened, everyone just came down on the Post Gazette, including the Block family, as you said, um, wrote a, wrote a public letter, um, kind of condemning it. And j- instead of taking that, John Block, John Robinson Block, doubled down, and that kind of goes to what you've been talking about about the intimidation and about the the un- the, the the unwillingness to work with folks. I mean. When you're in that situation and you're – it seems like at every turn his goal has been to do something to – I don't know if it's to you know inflame the public or inflame his newsroom or – I don't know. But a lot of his moves in the last few years, including going back to 2016 with the presidential election, um, he's made a lot of really strange – moves that I think could be seen as not only changing the editorial direction of the paper, the opinion direction, the editorial page direction of the paper, um, but just it kind of goes to that whole sort of asserting yourself and and trying to intimidate folks kind of thing. Well, it's no secret that his hero is President Trump. Absolutely. And his actions mirror um, the kinds of things that Trump does creates chaos um and the one thing i forgot to mention was that he fired he fired rob rogers the award award award-winning uh beloved uh editorial cartoonist uh nationally renowned uh because he was drawing what burris and block thought were um anti-trump cartoons which which is what his job is right. to be a to satirize what's in the news so you have a really strange situation that occurs nowhere else in this country where the executive editor is also the head of the editorial right. department and that is a very very dangerous and i feel unethical situation right. you cannot have the executive editor of a newspaper um also determining the editorial uh, the direction of the editorials um, those two lines should not be crossed and Burris has also done a very strange thing uh, which is that he's been micromanaging the newsroom right uh, overriding middle managers we, you know we all work for assistant managing editors we get very close to them they know what we do best they we share we share ideas we talk about assignments he has eliminated that and has been giving assignments including to me on things that he once covered and it's just a very strange thing it's not what the executive editor should be doing which i think goes further showing that um He's in over his head in this position, right? And as, you know, you see, you see, you know, you see those things at at small town papers where it's a you know twelve thousand circulation. And it's a very small newsroom, and you know the the. But to run a, a major a city's a major city's daily newspaper like that, it's just it's it's baffling. But I understand from talking to folks that throughout the years, I mean, John Block has tried to keep his hand. I think in the editorial coverage, I, I like I've been told by folks uh, that he would occasionally try to, to, to hand out stories. And I know that there've been some stories I wrote about in the past. Um, there seemed to be a spate of 
dog coverage and some of them involved John Block's, you know, people that worked for John Block or his dog and so forth. Um, so just some of the sort of these weird things, but it really didn't strike you as anything that's like, yeah, look, it's not something that most papers would do, but you know, it's harmless stuff. And then it really did seem to escalate, especially in 2016, where the photo of John Block on Donald Trump's private uh, jet comes out during the campaign. And then there is, um, and correct me if I'm, if I'm misrepresenting this, um, sources had told me that there was a very strong effort uh, by Block to endorse Donald Trump, which would have been one of the only major newspapers to endorse Donald Trump. And instead, we got sort of a lukewarm sort of uh, non-endorsement endorsement. There's really he's really sort of ramped up his effort to to change the edit the opinion the editorial page direction of the paper, which again doesn't necessarily shouldn't have anything to do with the newsroom, but it's still. Obviously, I know that it rubs some of the employees the wrong way. Absolutely. And, you know, um, as you may know, we won a Pulitzer Prize this year. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And um, on that very day or in that very week, yeah. um, a board member of Block Communications, mm -hmm. which owns the Post-Gazette, and she happens to be the wife of Alan Block, who's the chairman, right. um, went on social media spreading anti-Muslim conspiracy theories about the fire at Notre Dame Cathedral. Right. On the very week that we are honored for... Right. And, and the other thing about the Pulitzer is that John Block has never appeared in the newsroom to thank his staff right. to, to appreciate that. And then the other thing is, you were talking about people wanting to work at the Post because that, yeah. that's always been the case. Sure. People always try to flock to papers that win Pulitzer Prizes. It's the exact opposite at the right. Post-Gazette. We have lost 20 of really, really good staff members and 10 managers who have either been fired, forced out, or been offered buyouts to get out. And to lose 18% of our staff since January 1 is just incredible. So we don't we don't have a flock of people trying to work at the Post Gazette. Right. We have a flock of people leaving because conditions are so horrible. And I think that really says something about how bad those conditions are. It does. And, and that's actually I was going to I was going to mention that because it really it, it is when when you see that and when you're when you're when your hometown daily wins an award like that you're just kind of like holy cow like they're really doing great things over there i want to get there but you know you you don't you have people going the other way and that's just sort of it's just it's very strange although if you look at the situation it's very understandable um but you mentioned that john block had never come into the newsroom let's talk about when john block did come into the newsroom earlier this year yeah um so we reported it as well as other media outlets um, on throughout a, the country, throughout the country. Correct. Um, there was um, on a Saturday evening, um, John Block came into the newsroom after he had been out at dinner um, and he went on what can only be described very low key as a as a tirade. Um, but it was even more than that. I mean, it was it was a very, very strange situation. Talk a little bit about that. And again, that also seems to be where this whole this whole situation has been kicked up to the next level was this this the treatment by um, by block to the to the employees that night. Sure. Well, a little bit of background yeah. um, for two years um, at that point, uh, the company has refused to pay increases in our health care premiums. 
um, that is under uh, adjudication. Right. Um, but that caused a, a cut in our in our in our uh, healthcare coverage, which we feel is somewhat immoral. Um, because of that, after two years, mm-hmm. we put a sign up on our union bulletin board right. that read "Shame on the Blocks," which obviously infuriated. John Block and other members of the Block family, but they're all complicit in this. Sure. I mean, you, you cut people's health care, you're, you're messing with their lives. So on this, it was February 9th. Uh, I was off. And so it was John Silver, who is a unit chairman. Mm-hmm. And we both got frantic calls from the newsroom saying, you have to get down here. Yeah. And we didn't know what was going on. And apparently Block had come in with his um, teenage daughter, uh, he some people described him as in, in an altered state. Mm-hmm. I, I can't swear to that, but he was he. He also was described as unhinged, right? And he kept hitting the uh, hitting our our bulletin board with the sign "Shame on the Blocks" on it, screaming about it, saying that he was going to fire me, John Silver. Virginia Lynn, who was an editor, and um, uh, Lillian Thomas. Yeah. I will point out that Virginia Lynn was fired uh, recently. I will point out that Lillian Thomas was basically forced out. Uh, John Silver has been reassigned to a beat that he did 20 years ago in right. his career. And I've been demoted from um, being an enterprise reporter to covering things that interns would be covering. Right. So... Uh, to move on, he terrorized the 14 people who were working there that night. He also manhandled his daughter. He was screaming that he wanted a photograph of her and him standing in front of this sign. He got a um, post-gazette, he ordered a post-gazette photographer who was working that night to take a picture. His daughter was crying, screaming, did not want to do this, was embarrassed. To the point where the then managing editor was summoned there. The head of HR was summoned, and John and I were summoned. And the end result was that he left. Um, he was actually ordered out of the building uh, by the HR director, who I will point out has recently been fired. Mm. Uh, and the managing editor, who I will point out, has also left. <laughs> uh, and um, we then... That was a Saturday night. Our people were traumatized. We had them to, um, many of them took video. There were these photographs that showed how uh, unhinged he was acting. And uh, we had uh, our our, our, uh, guild members write uh, contemporaneous notes of what had occurred. Um, We went to the company on Monday. Uh, We said that we wanted him treated like, any other person would be treated who acted like that, and they should not be allowed back into the building. If he's having uh, some kind of um, uh, mental health problem or whatever, he needs to be checked out before he's allowed back in the building. Um, he didn't come back in for three days, but he did come back, and they wouldn't listen to us. In fact, they put out a false narrative that what we say happened didn't happen. Right. And we then were forced to put out the notes that were taken by our people. We filed an unfair labor practice uh, for intimidation of union activities. Um, that's still pending. Um, and that was the beginning of, of a descent 
into um, a, a hostile work environment that going back to his uncle, who was the publisher, the sainted Bill Block Sr., mm-hmm. um, it's 180 degrees. I, you know, we, Bill Block Sr. used to go down into the snack bar and sit with the, um, the pressmen covered in ink and, you know, eat tomato soup with them. Right. Um, John Block uh, deigns not to even talk to us. In fact, he told his daughter that night, you don't want to be like them. They're working class. Right. Well, you know what? I'm proud to be working class. Yeah. He said, you're a block. Don't you forget it. You're a block. You're not one of them. That's the, that's that's, the quote from several witness that's reports. That's exactly that we, right. That we reported. Um, yeah, it was uh, – and a lot of even even in the middle of all of that, I I know from talking, I've talked to numerous people who were there that night. They were more concerned, f- even more than themselves, for her, for his daughter. Absolutely, right, that there was because it, it was, was their such first a situation. Right, that was their first concern uh, to get her. And actually, uh, two of our members did get her to safety. I mean, it was yeah. And so it did make national news. It was in the New York Times, Washington Post. It was all over the country because it's just a, such erratic behavior. In such a uh, and you know, like I said, BCI tried to slough it off that we were making this up because of negotiations, right. and nothing could be farther from the truth. And truthfully, we had possession of those photographs. Yeah, we had possession of those videos. If you know, we could have released them, right? But we are not going to do that to that child. Yeah, we wanted to show her more empathy and kindness and concern than her own father right. did. And I'll say this, that, that throughout this whole thing, that um, when something happens, as, a, as a, a writer, a publisher who's been covering this story, it's been, when something happens, it's been very easy to find someone to confirm or to talk about things. But when we, we probably like other media, we tried to get a hold of the video. We tried to get a hold of photos. No one was giving that stuff up. And that just shows that again, because it wasn't, it wasn't about, at least it came off to me. Like it wasn't about um, trying to better the union's position that night. It was about, look, number one, we're, we're worried about our work environment. And then, you know, it was also the main concern again was, was Block's daughter who shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. It had absolutely nothing to do with negotiations. It was totally separate. It had to do with that child's safety and the, um, the, the hostility and the interference in union activities. I will say that one person who was working that night Mm -hmm. suffered such PTSD that he, he ended up leaving. He's a veteran. He was a veteran who you know, had worked there for, I think, 10 years. Before that, had worked at another newspaper for 10 or yeah. 15 years. He was so traumatized by that that he had to leave. And he left without a job. Right. Wow. And that's what, like, and I was going to say that report, most reporters who've been around, they've been doing this a long time, we've seen a lot of stuff. Like, it's pretty hard to, sh- to shake a reporter um, because we, you know, the things that we've covered, you know, from, 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 horrible accidents to homicides and different things like that and we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of stuff so it takes it takes a bit to shake a reporter and for something like that to to shake a reporter you know it had to be it had to be a pretty pretty intense situation and and the other thing i will point out that's exactly you're absolutely right charlie but the other thing i'll point out is these uh, contemporaneous notes that were taken were taken by journalists right who whose job is to observe and report in a fair and accurate manner and they did that and to a person they all confirmed each other they all did them individually but when you looked at them 
Uh, they they were all confirming, and and so that began a really bad uh, downward spiral, and um, it was after that, shortly after that, that Burroughs was named correct as executive editor, and it almost was that he was going, he was appointed to be. Um, where, where Shrevman was a buffer between us yeah. and uh, John Block, it was as if Burroughs was appointed to be John Block's buffer right. against our our reaction to his erratic behavior. Yeah, some media have called him a lapdog. I won't mention any names. Uh, it was me, um, but <laughs> it really does. That's what it seems like. And um, one thing I want. So you mentioned about yourself being trans. You, you and. Jonathan haven't been the only reporters who've been or the only writers who've been moved off of beats. And so I want to ask you, it seems like so there's there's um, when especially when Rob Rogers was fired, um, a lot of people talked about dumping their subscriptions and some people did. Um, and, and so then there's there's that reason, there's that philosophical reason that you want to say politically, I don't agree with Block and Burr, so I'm going to get rid of my s- subscription. But when you look at moves like that, so um, I've listened, I, full disclosure, I've known Rich Lord for probably close to 20 years. Um, Rich Lord is one of my favorite reporters, one of my favorite writers nationally. Forget about anything else. But if you look on Rich's Twitter, um, his his Twitter Twitter bio says. Quarter 1, 2019, acting city editor. Quarter 4, 2019, acting city hall reporter. Warning, do not try this career path at home. Um, But that's sort of... So now when people are looking at what's happening, they're not only affecting the, the, the opinion side by taking a reporter like yourself, like Rich Lord, like John Silver, and putting them on beats... Not that they're meaningless beats, but that that any number of starting reporters could do. I mean, Rich started at the Post Gazette as a city hall reporter, um, and so you're now talking about da- potentially damaging the product. That has to be worrisome. At least that's my it, observation. It it is worrisome, and that is part of the um, environment of fear and yeah. intimidation and retribution. That we're working under. The other day, a, a really great guy. He's our handyman. He's you know, mm-hmm. he he came to me and he said, he goes, things are bad, aren't they? And I said, yeah. I said, well, but why do you say that? He goes, when I walk in the newsroom, I can just feel it. Yeah. And you know, that's not somebody who's in there a lot. Right. And I got to tell you, I mean, the the loss of people, both both managers, who we loved working with. Yeah. Uh, and um you know, our, our coworkers on the staff. I mean, we truly feel that we are fighting for the soul of the post Gazette. We love the post Gazette. I've spent more than half of my life there. I've devoted myself. We see what we do as a calling and to see them, uh, intentionally or not destroy what we all love is just so hurtful. We feel that we have an obligation to this community and to our readers. And I must say Despite the conditions that we're working under, despite the fact that we have not been um, appreciated, treated with dignity or economic justice for 14 years, every person I work with still does their job as if we were paid a king's ransom. Right. We don't do it for the money. We never would have gotten into this uh, into this profession. It's a calling. We believe in that we are um, that. 
democracy depends upon journalism, that we have a responsibility to our community, and that we will do uh, we will write the first draft of history in a fair and accurate manner so that our neighbors, our friends, and our community are informed. And we continue to do that under very, very stressful situ- uh, situation, uh, both economically and um, in a, um, a work environment that is at times very frightening, mm-hmm. but always very stressful. You're always looking over your shoulder. Is today the day I'm going to be reassigned to something even worse than I've been reassigned right. to? Right. Um, and so I was going to ask you what the response would be to a reader who asked you why they shouldn't cancel their, their, their subscription. And I think what you've said sort of some the trust, the trust, the reporters or trust the trust, the staff, the newsroom staff, that they're going to continue to give you a quality product because I mean, obviously you, you can't afford, um, you can't afford to lose readers and mass. That's right. Um, so is that sort of the message you give them? You know, we, we, uh, I don't have it on today, but, uh, we have buttons that we wear that says no PG without me. Right. Um, but, you know, when I look at the number of bylines that have been withheld during these 23 days, we're, it's close to 1,200. It's so obvious to me, and it should be to everyone else, who is the Post-Gazette? Yeah. It's the staff of the right. Post-Gazette. It's not the multi-million dollar owners. It's not Keith Burris tr- creating an atmosphere of fear and intimidation. It, it is the journalists, the photographers, the reporters, the columnists, the artists, the page designers. We care. And so I would say to somebody, why shouldn't I cancel my subscription? That would be my answer is because you have journalists who care about truth, about democracy, and about an informed electorate, and an informed community. We're going to continue doing that until they do something like lock us out or fi- try to fire all of us, even under these conditions, right. we're going to do what we feel is our calling. And um, if you don't like the editorial page, just skip past it. Right. <laughs> because you're going to find fair and accurate reporting, uh, wonderful, informative graphics, incredible photographs, um, wonderful page designs. Um, Despite the loss of 20 very talented people, we have 139 really talented people who remain there, and we, our commitment is unflagging. Mike, what kind of insight can you give me? We, you've talked, you mentioned earlier about some longtime managers being pushed out and forced out. I've read some things. I think you've had it in a couple of press releases. You mentioned a Hunger Games type situation, or I don't want to give say you exactly, but some folks have mentioned that it was like a Hunger Games situation. What 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 was that process when they? What does that mean? And what was that process, as far as you understand it? If you could talk about it, my the way I understood it, and obviously they don't call me into these meetings, sure, <laughs> uh, but. Um, they decided, uh, and I think they knew what the end result was going right. to be before, when, before they did it. Uh, they decided that they were going to get rid of um, two positions in middle management. Um, so they, there were five people. Mm-hmm. They made them reapply for their jobs, uh, interview with Burris to make their case. And um, interestingly enough, and I don't think coincidentally, uh, Virginia Lynn was let go, mm-hmm. and she was one that Bur- uh, uh, Block said he wanted fired. 
uh, Lillian Thomas uh, was forced out uh, to the benefit of the Houston Chronicle. She's yeah. now going to be an investigative editor there. Yeah. And Matt Smith, uh, longtime um, editor, also was let go because he stood up to Burris and Burris wanted a story that really ethically we shouldn't be doing. And, and Matt told him so. And um, now Matt's gone. Um, those three people had more than more than 90 years service to the wow. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. The institutional knowledge that left with them, the institutional yeah. knowledge that leaves with any, anybody who leaves there, um, being forced out by somebody who's barely been there for a cup of coffee right. is, is atrocious. And um, it's just, it, 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 it just shows that, you know, um, the care for the legacy, the 233-year-old legacy of the Post-Gazette. I mean, my God, we reported on the passage of the U.S. Constitution. (laughs) We're the oldest newspaper west of the Alleghenies, and it should be treated with respect. And the owners don't do that. Burris isn't doing that. It's left to us, staff members under siege, to do that. And we're going to continue to do that as long as we're standing. Right. So... We'll kind of wrap today talking a little bit about what's to come, but I think it's important to point out that while a lot of attention is given to what's happening in the newsroom to editorial employees, this is a, this is a company wide. Uh, these cuts and different things that are happening to people is happening on a company wide basis. Um, earlier this year, um, in fact, the blocks announced that they were going to lay off. Uh, 30, uh, 30 employees, 30, uh, a part of the Teamsters Union, and that includes the press room, the mail room, distribution as well? No, the, the 30 they were talking yeah. about were primarily uh, truck drivers. Truck who, drivers. Delivering the newspapers, and ostensibly they were doing that because they cut back from five days printing to three days right. printing. And then they cut, they were going to cut 40 more employees to part-time, which included they would lose their health benefits, which are already... That's why they were doing it. Right, exactly, which is already... There's no moral compass guiding any of this. Right. Um, If I can interrupt you. No, please, please. These are employees who have devoted 25, 30, 35, 40 years of service to the Post-Gazette. And their their repayment is, we're going to get rid of your health care benefits. Right. We're going to get rid of your jobs. And um, so the the union filed... um, a stay or ask the federal judge to delay the action um and in an fact, injunction an injunction right and right before thanksgiving the day before thanksgiving um the judge in fact federal judge in fact issued that injunction um do you know your knowledge i mean and he he ordered those workers to be called back to work correct yes and, and have I, they been as far as you know as <laughs> As far as I know, they have not been. So now there may be a contempt of court. Right. Uh, the people that they were going to cut slash their health care benefits. And it just in just a, such a cruel way. I mean, yeah. it's just incredible. Around, at, at any time, but around the holidays anyway, right. um, they still have their health care. But to my knowledge, and it might have changed by today, they had not acted on the judge's order right. in calling those other people back. So there may be a contempt of court uh, decision coming down. Yeah, and the PG is, uh, we should say, the PG is um, appealing that. So we'll, we'll certainly keep you up to date on that, as I'm sure the Guild will as well. So, Mike, just um, here in the, in the final 
final minutes. Um, so what happens from here? I mean, because are there are there negotiations going on? I mean, are we just going to see just sort of a string of sort of aggressive actions and and then the union the union uh, you know sort of the union response is that is is that how do how does that not become life at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette from here out? I mean. What has to happen, especially in a case where you don't seem to have management that's willing to come to the table? And I've talked to um, Joe Pass, who is the employee for the or the employee, I'm sorry, the attorney for the Teamsters Union. At least I know he's the Teamsters uh, lawyer and uh, us, and 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 yeah, in the newsroom place. And he says he's never dealt with. He's told me several times he's never in all of his years doing this. He's never dealt with a company so unwilling to find a resolution of some kind. But so. How does it go? Because it seems like this kind of thing can't sustain forever. But when you look at a solution coming down the pike, there doesn't seem to be. Well, the the, the center won't hold, and yeah. I, I agree that we're 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 I think we're past the point of critical mass. Right. Um, I think that something is going to happen in twenty twenty. I don't think that this can go on much longer. Um, our hope is um, that the blocks come to the realization that the law firm they have hired and have been paying uh, millions of dollars for the last three years with nothing to show for it uh, is a total waste of money and is an impediment. The only person who, who is benefiting from this turmoil is the attorney right. who is causing much of it. They're, they're a negotiator. So I, th- you know, no one would ever accuse me of being Pollyanna, but I, I really do believe that we are going to prevail. Uh, I think the way that that's going to happen, uh, once they realize that that law firm has to go and they either bring in another law firm or they, um, they do it themselves. Yeah. But if they did that, I don't have, I, I know we will reach a, we will reach a, an accord this law firm came in with a hundred changes to a contract that we've had for eighty-five years. Normally, they might request four or five changes. Right. So, when you come in with a hundred, you know you're not going to get a. You're, right. you're, you're not trying to get a contract. You're not looking for a solution. You're looking for a problem, and right. that's why um, that's why we're in Vietnam right now. <laughs> Mike Fuco, hopefully. Uh... Hopefully we can we can airlift you guys out of there at some point yeah. soon. Um, it's, Withdrawal uh, with honor. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for joining me today, Mike. I really appreciate it. And um, keep following the Pittsburgh Current. You know we're uh, we're going to be covering this as well as other media. I mean, it's um, sometimes I think for media to cover media, but that's kind of what alts like us and my old place, the Pittsburgh City Paper. That's what we're here for to make to cover these stories that dailies necessarily don't cover, and you won't necessarily cover yourself. Um, so it's it's that's what we're here for, and and I know that that both papers will be covering this um, through to the through till some sort of resolution. So um, definitely check with that and um, check. Uh, do you have a, do you guys have a does the guild have a social media or website pe- or yeah it's, people can uh, check p- uh, our our website is. Um uh, pghguild.com and I uh, I think we're uh, Twitter is uh, at uh, PG News Guild correct yeah and I can't remember what the Facebook 
is. Yeah, um, I think if you search PG News Guild on yeah. Facebook, you'll find them as well. And I, I will point out that yeah. continuing our struggle, we, we you know we're doing it on several fronts, not just right. the byline strike, sure. social media, leafleting, and we're going to be out in force on Saturday when the Democratic candidates come to the convention center. Uh, there's going to be over a thousand people there. And we're going to be uh, leafleting and uh, spreading the word of our struggle and asking people uh, who want a free press and who want to support us to email the blocks and Burris and tell them that um, this type of anti-union activity is not welcome in the birthplace of unionism. Fantastic. Mike Duco, thank you very much. Thank you guys very much. Two quick announcements. You can find the last print issue of the year of the Pittsburgh Current is on stands now. We will be out on January 31st will be our next issue. will be an online-only issue simply because uh, <laughs> as being in this business a long time, those aren't the best pickup days. So we'll have, we'll have our year in review uh, online, and then we will be back in print on January 14th. So uh, check us out. Um, check us out online. And um, Mike Fugo, thank you very much, and have a great week. A better alternative Giving Pittsburgh A better alternative Giving Pittsburgh A better alternative This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.